Welcome to IntelliKey Leadership Stories, a series of unique interviews with successful people in many fields. Leaders who are innovating, building, and guiding organizations with a higher vision. How they put their values into practice to achieve the full potential of themselves and their organizations. Now, here's your host for IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Uh, I'm Mark Stenson, and my co-host is here with me today. Hello, I'm Kirsten Gouldy. Well, it's uh, it's really great to be on our what is this, Kirsten? Our fifth episode, and uh, I was just reading that there are nine hundred thousand podcasts out there. And uh, most most of them don't live past two episodes. <laughs> so well, we're job well done. <laughs> we're really on a roll. And um, if if you're one of the people who are listening today, we're really grateful for that. And uh, you know, as we start this episode, I think it's really uh, helpful to acknowledge the comments and questions we've received. Yeah, we've had comments on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. And one of the top ones, Kirsten, let's go back to the basics. This word IntelliKey, uh, many people have said it's the first time they've heard it. Uh, it is connected with your company and your consulting practice. So uh, let's rewind a little bit and uh, give us another take on what the word IntelliKey means and how you're applying that uh, to your business. Yeah, thank you, Mark. That's a, it's really a great question, and you're right. It is a brain twist for a lot of people. Um, and it is an Aristotelian term, which means achieving your highest potential. And my company name is Pure IntelliKey. One of my companies is Pure IntelliKey. And that is about achieving your highest soul potential. And really, this word, it's a metaphysical set of principles that we apply to our lives and how we begin to achieve and elevate and become who and what we're meant to be. Not what we wanna be, but who we're meant to be. And there is a really big distinction oftentimes until you train in the metaphysical realms and you begin to align with a higher purpose and a higher path, which then leads us back to what you and I talk about, Mark, because you have a heart-based practice right, where you really help drive branding, and I'll turn it over to you to let you describe, but, you know, that's where you and I, our, you know, forks in the road, as we ask many of our yes. viewers, have met, because we're really driven to supporting people to achieve their highest potential, and that well, is what really, yeah. me, IntelliKey means. And it's, it's interesting that you say not just reach your goals, because those are the goals you've set, but rather to reach your highest potential that's already inside you. Yes. Uh, that's a real yes. distinction, isn't it? There, it really is. And, you know, and I'd like to ask you, Mark, just even because you work with a lot of biotech companies, right, that are out there to do well for other people. And I know that's not your only subset of clients that you work with because you're helping me be one yeah. of them, right? Um, yeah. But how, you know, how does that IntelliKey fit in? Because I think that's a great, like you always say, actionable, right? This is an actionable, quantifiable dialogue, how to achieve your potential. Yeah, right. well, and you, you mentioned that one great. subset of biotech companies, but, you know, the, the idea that uh, these researchers, you know, doing clinical trials or doing bench research with chemi chemistry and molecules, 
I mean, the, the, the molecule has in it the potential to do what it's going to do already. Right. And it's a matter of activating that or finding the right reactors or the right potentiators. I mean, all, all these kind of words that a researcher would use that says, when it gets into your body, will it affect uh, a disease or will it affect a, a bodily organ in some positive way? And it affects it a, a negative way, then you want to remove that. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things built into that. But I, I just, I wanted to uh, acknowledge that people are, are asking this question of, you know, it sounds like a, as we've called it, a woo-woo term. Right. <laughs> you know, right. but it's not just a metaphysical uh, kind of a term, but rather, you know, your potential is inside you. And we're exploring this overlap between business and leadership and potential and the conscious practices, conscious leadership, uh, and all the things that our people are doing to be more mindful, more soulful, more heartful. And uh, that, that's the kind of guests that we're having on the podcast and, and including today's. I'm just really excited to, to have our guest today. And Kirsten, maybe tell us a little about her. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I feel very honored and privileged to be announcing Jasmia Moore. She's been in my life now for four years. I think we determined this morning we started working with each other in 2016. So um, I, I feel very honored that she's been one of my coaching clients. And truly, Jasmia Moore is the bridge between the metaphysical realm and really top performance, right? And she continues to elevate and expand and go beyond, you know, what she thought was initially possible, now moving into both a spiritual leader and a top performing um, sales personnel in an IT tech company, multi-billion dollar company. So it's my pleasure and honor to introduce Jasmine Moore, Jazz, for purposes of this discussion. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, it's just so great to have you. And, you know, and this business and metaphysical or conscious leadership overlap. Obviously, I had to start on LinkedIn. And what a great history of sales and customer relationships uh, you've built. Uh, bring, bring us up to date from sort of the beginning to now on your, your career and how you've developed uh, that kind of top performer position that Kirsten was talking about. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've done sales my whole life. I think um, my first sales job was at the mall. Um, the sound of the register really excited me. I, I've always loved <laughs> yes. commission, yeah, commission-based sales. Um, you know, and after I graduated from college, it was 2008. Um, I graduated at that time where, you know, everyone was, all the kind of talking heads on TV were trying to figure out, is this a recession? Is it not a recession? Well, of course, I go to look for a job and I can't find one. Um, are, so, are we having a little deja vu today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, so I, I stayed in retail, you know, even though I had my college degree, I went back to what I knew um, working at Nordstrom's. Um, and I, and I think that's where I realized, you know, I really am good at this, you know, and not so much from like a hitting quota perspective, cause there was a draw at Nordstrom's. Um, but more so from, I connect with people. I felt like I, you know, I listened, I had returning customers. Um, I was making good money. I mean, um, to be fresh out of college, working in retail, making about 65 K a year, that's not bad, you know? Really so, good. 
um, you know, everything was going good, but then of course the retail industry got hit. So I got laid off and I was kind of stuck with this. Like I love sales, you know, retail isn't doing so well. Where do I go? And, you know, found myself in, um, Austin, Texas, um, mainly because my, my cousin, um, told me, Oh, Texas is fine. It's not as bad as California, you know, and just landed randomly, you know, putting my resume out there on, um, before LinkedIn, it was monster. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. and totally aging myself. No, it's great. <laughs> Later, you um, can tell so us about your MySpace page. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so I put my resume on on a Monster, and I wrote this cover letter, basically explaining why I love sales. You know, I just graduated from college, so I was pretty open to what kind of sales. You know, I was going to. I was eager to learn. I'm always been very coachable. Um, it was one of the things that my dad taught me very young, like learn how to take criticism and be coachable, you know? And so that was kind of the gist of my cover letter. And it was up there for probably about a week. And I got a call from a company that was starting up. They're based out of New Jersey, but they were starting up a new um, business unit out of Austin to do inside sales. Um, they were legacy IT software enterprise business. So think your fortune 500 companies, um, but they were looking to to build out about 1500 people in Austin to do more commercial day-to-day -day sales. Um, I knew nothing about it sales, to be honest with you. When they first interviewed me, I kind of thought it was a scam. <laughs> you know, this guy's talking about up, making upwards to 150 and $200,000 a year. I, in my mind and, and anyone fresh out of college knows the like pyramid scheme kind of mm -hmm. interviews that you end up going on. <laughs> MLMs, the great MLMs. <laughs> oh my God. I think I like between selling knives and Dodger tickets and like just weird stuff, you know, at first it sounds good, but then once you get into it, it's like, mm. so at first I truly didn't believe him. Um, but he told me, you know, come up to Austin, we'll put you up here for a weekend and you can talk to people and see this is a real job. <laughs> so I did. And I mean, within a week, I, you know, was in Austin, um, had never visited before, had never even visited the state of Texas. And um, I, it was the craziest experience, I, mainly because I, I think I think my last retail job did a really good job of um, teaching how to sell, right? Um, so I felt comfortable in that aspect. Um, however, being in such a fast paced environment. I mean, we're talking, everyone that I worked with was my age. So we're talking 25, 26, some even younger, right? I think my boss was 28 um, and he was the director of the, in the business unit, you know? <laughs> um, and to be in this car, like call center sales environment, you know, where you can hear the person on the phone next to you doing upwards to a hundred cold calls a day. You know, it was just a very, unique experience that I'm super grateful for. It was scary. I will have to say, um, you know, one of the driving factors in the beginning was just fear, right? <laughs> um, I had just moved to a new state. I was trying a new job. Um, you know, it, they were very particular about sales quotas. If you did not make, you got two quarters to figure it out and then you were gone. Got it. You know, um, <laughs> just because of the nature of the economy, they could hire someone else really quickly. 
So yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point because you and I talk about this every week, right? I mean, and to Jazz's point, she is incredibly coachable and she's religious about her coaching calls and we have them once, if not twice a week for four years. But you said the driving factor was fear. And I think, you know, Mark always talks about this actionable, applicable component, right? I've seen you when fear comes through you. And I also watch you use it to motivate you into your higher next level of self, right? Yeah. So I think that Mark, to that point, right? That's one of those actionable items. It's not a matter of coaching into an absence of fear. Right. It's what action are you going to take because of the fear? Yeah. I do recall a great book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, uh, that you're just supposed to push through it. But I am curious, Jazz. I mean, you know, you can't survive on the motivation of fear right. forever, you know? Did, did you feel like there was a point where, okay, it's not because somebody's looking over my shoulder or, you know, make it or get out. But, but rather now I'm moving towards something rather than the motivation of fear. Did you ever feel where there was a turning point? Yeah, I would think that was, um, I mean, I was probably my fifth or sixth year in. By this point, I'm a million-dollar seller. Um, they had moved me out to the field. Um, I, I, and I think in the beginning, I couldn't figure out if it was complacency, right, or if... Um, and I, and I quickly just realized it's because it was, it was partially just being comfortable, right? And, and I had my customers. I, I, can, I know there's a baseline that I'm going to make every month, which is really good, you know, and, it, and it, I will definitely exceed the um, quota that they put in front of me. Um, and so it, it, there was this weird feeling of what next? right? Like, how do I, like, what is even the next level? And then also, how do I get there? If everything up until this point has just been head down, you know, trying to push through the anxiety and the fear attached to a new job, you know, but yeah. once you sort of, um, I don't want to say made it, but, but it is, that is almost what it is. You know, once I became, you know, top 10 of the, you know, across the country, um, and was looked at as a as a sales leader. Um, it, I did have to reexamine um, what my motivations were, mm -hmm. and and that was harder. I felt like than pushing through the fear, Interesting. Um, because then, then it became, what do I really want to do? You know, where do I yes. see myself going with this? Those more, and I feel like those are more spiritual questions than they are work career questions sometimes. And I believe that's about when you and I met. Yes, that exactly. That was the, about the turning point for you. Who am I? Yeah. Yes. And almost, and it's not to go overly Maslow on us here, but a second, but you know, once you have this foundation that says, I know how much I'm going to make, and I know what my territory or my goals and my quotas are. I have my base of, of customer relationships. It's almost when that is set, you know, th those other higher questions do become a little harder right. uh, because they're not a given anymore, you know. 
yeah, I mean, you're not hungry anymore. I mean, I mean, that was really the motivation in Texas. It was like, I didn't have a job and I was hungry, like mm -hmm. physically, mm -hmm. literally hungry. Yes. You know? yes. Yeah. And once you get past, this is not a scam. And yes. uh, this is not a, yeah. So, uh, so bring us to the relationships with the people. You know, mm -hmm. we, we talk a lot about customers, you mm -hmm. know, and sometimes people call customers like they're the building and the client and the mm -hmm. you know, name on the front door. But you have to build relationships with the people uh, who are the buyers, right? And, and how was that for you? You know, um, there's, there's a natural sort of, am I an extrovert? Am I a people person? You know, yeah. I'm doing the air quotes now. But you're, <laughs> you're trying to build relationships with these customers. What is that like for you? I, to be honest with you, I'm not an extrovert. I'm very introverted. Okay. There's, there's a whole internal isn't world. That a, isn't that <laughs> yeah. an interesting twist? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I am very empathic and um, I love hearing people. So in that way, um, even though I could be, you know, I'd have meetings sometimes where there would be, you know, 10, 15 people in, in a meeting, especially when we're doing some more enterprise level selling, um, you know, which normally would give me anxiety. Um, but for me, I've, I've always been really good at really honing in on the person who's speaking and listening. You know, um, there's also a lot of other things that I don't, you know, later I learned what I was doing as far as like reading body language and, and monitoring people's faces and breath and stuff like that. Um, that just come natural to me that help me connect one-on-one -on -one with someone especially in a large setting and and i think for that reason a lot my customers i even feel bad calling them that because they're really not um mm -hmm. i've been to people i've been in a couple of weddings i i mean i go to every baby shower it's i text and talk to my customers all the time um again it just feels weird even calling them that um, it's more i try and make it more of a of a, an actual relationship right mm -hmm. um and then because then also it, it allows me to have more of an honest interaction with them. I, I have never been able to do that kind of cheesy car salesman thing. You know, um, it's, it's all, I'm definitely more of a needs based, you know, um, which may take a little longer to get there, but, but I feel like it's always netted me a larger deal mm -hmm. um, and, and more sticky relationships. So, um, Jazz, one thing I really want to bring up, because I, I think this is critical to hear, and people assume that there's a lot of training and co-calling in numbers in sales, which there is, right? We know top performers have to do the work, but what gets missed and lost on people is the training of hearing people, right? That is the flip side of communication. Communication is hearing the unsaid, which is what you said, which some of us call it metaphysical, other people call it communication skills, you know, put it into whatever bucket you want. But what you also, what I hear you saying is you create genuine, authentic relationships with people. And as such, business gets done because they trust you to have their best interest at heart. Is that an accurate portrayal? Yes, that is perfect. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it's, uh, I wanted to drill down on this word empathic. Again, it's, 
it's much used now and people uh, say, oh, I, I lead with empathy and I lead with listening. But, um, you know, you, even though you're describing, I have a good relationship with these people because I've been to their weddings and, you know, I've, I've been to their baby showers. It, you're, that's not your currency. You know, in other words, they're not doing business with you because you went to their baby shower. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so tell us more about what empathy and listening really means to you. Um, you know, I, I think it started, there was this sales training class that I took at my last job um, where they took the top 20 percentile of the company and they hired this, you know, big kind of consultant who consulted for, you know, the CEO of Verizon and, you know, kind of big names. He was super expensive and he had us really sit down and do a listening exercise. It was like three days of like, really, what does it mean to hear someone? Um, and it was interesting because, uh, he, the, one of the first exercises was someone would say something and then whatever your next, if you were going to respond, you had to respond with the last word that they said, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, your sentence had to start with that. Um, and it was very, very challenging because if a, what it did is it forced you to focus on every single word that the person said, right? So when you got to the last word, then you, you'd have to pause and think of a sentence, right, to follow that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been my way of listening, right? Am I hearing in totality what this person is saying, right? Not just, I, I, I have a, I feel like previously when people would talk, I would immediately try to think of a response. Like you pick up on something for whatever reason within the sentence and you already have your response, right? Um, I really being present and listening to the entire um, statement that this person is making, you know, and then sitting with it for a second, because that's another thing that that exercise made you do. You really had to sit and think, right, of a coherent sentence to say next. Um, So then, you know, uh, being okay, and that requires you to be okay with silence, right? Like a pause or a break Mm -hmm. in communication. Um, so, so to answer your question, I feel like it's being present, wholly listening and being okay with silence because also in that silence, you're going to get body language and breathing. That's also going to let you know, and it kind of gauge, um, where, where the conversation is going. And through that, I feel like I've been able to really connect with people faster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it makes it most people will say it'll take, you know, two, maybe even five years to really build a relationship with the customer. I feel like if you're actively listening, it does not take that long. That's great. And, you know, Kirsten, we talk about uh, performance metrics, you know, because it, this is not just a feel good exercise for businesses. Right. right. You know, th- this is something that's measurable, right? Yeah. Ja- Jazz, how would you say, you know, how do you score somebody? you know, that says I'm getting to be a better listener. You know, I, I was at this level and now I'm at this level. How do you know um, that you're a better listener? I feel like in a sales environment, it's, you know, I mean, as, as ex- for example, as expensive as this consultant was, they did it every year for like five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um, they always brought him back and continued to pay him because they noticed the people in Top Gun, even though you already took your top 20%, um, there was a 60% increase in their sales the following year. Right. Fascinating. 
That's, yeah. that's a huge return on investment. It was huge. ROI, yes. Yeah. Um, so that's why they always paid him. And even though, you know, his, his fee got higher every year. Yes. Um, you know, and so I feel like on a, from a sales perspective, it's easy. Um, the, it, it will show in the numbers. Um, now, if we're just talking personally, I feel like that's more of the warm and fuzzy stuff within your interpersonal relationships with people. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's a little harder to quantify, but I think you just know when you're, when you're communicating better with someone else, mm -hmm. you know, on a personal mm -hmm. level. Yeah. And does providing some self-reflection, this might be a great way, segue into, you know, call it the woo-woo world a little bit, mm -hmm. but you did have an awakening moment, right? And it's continued and it's continuing. Do you mind, like there, that's a fork in a road where, and you even mentioned it when you were speaking earlier, there came a point where you had to re-examine my motivations were your exact words, right? I had to re-examine what is driving me. And many of us come to that fork in the road where I can't keep doing it the way I'm doing it. There needs to be something greater than just the chase, the numbers, and the money. Mm -hmm. So what was that? what was that defining moment and where does that take you now? Um, I think the defining moment was I had bought my dream car, a purple Porsche. <laughs> um, I, I was living. I love that. It's purple. Not just the Porsche, right? Mark? Not just Porsche. It's purple people. <laughs> Um, and I was living in this fabulous two and a half bedroom condo in Irvine with an attached garage. I mean, literally the city that I want to be in, driving the car that I want to drive, making the money that I wanted to make. And I was so unbelievably unhappy. <laughs> Bingo. I love that. Cause I think Mark, can you relate to that point? Oh, never. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I think, yeah. that, I think any yeah. of us have had that moment. Yeah. So tell us about that. Yeah, I just, you know, and I couldn't, for a while, I just couldn't figure out what it was. Like, and it was, and I was so tired also of my friends and family, because when you're unhappy, the people who love you notice this, you know? And so I was so tired of people asking me what's wrong or, you know, giving me this whole little, you should be happy, you know, look at all that you have, look at all that you've accomplished. You know, um, and so that kind of added to the guilt and the shame and all that other stuff that was that was going on with me. Um, but I, I feel like so first comes just the awakening or the thought of like, OK, I'm not happy. Right. Because it, it kind of takes a while to get there because you have to get through um, the I should be happy shame. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so once I came to that realization, then it was kind of spaghetti on the wall of like, what's going to make me happy. <laughs> um, and I realized like, mind you, my job always brought me joy. Like I said, I was the girl who loved the sound of the register. Mm -hmm. um, so sales in general just gave me um, the, the natural self-motivation to get up in the morning. Now, after work was done, that was the part that like was pulling my hair out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think that it was just a series of events that spirit took me through 
you know, as far as like sobriety, having to get sober, you know, and being honest with myself and my relationship with alcohol. Um, and, 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 and in sobriety, trying to figure out, okay, so now that I'm not drinking, what do I do for fun? <laughs> you know, right, um, right. that I find like, it was just a series of events that made me really look at who is Jax without work outside gotcha. of, of, the fact that I drive a purple Porsche and live in Orange County, you know? Um, and, and in that, right, you find that your motivation, my motivation at least was constantly bettering myself mm-hmm. for myself and my family, you know, and those around me, you know, and whatever my earthly mission is. Right. But really um, making sure that I'm, co- I'm constantly, um, working on myself and checking in, right? And doing things that bring me joy. That is so terrific. And I think for people who say, you know, that's a, that's a great attitudinal shift, mm-hmm. but uh, were, were there any day-to-day practices now that you find, as you said, you know, I'm going to have to find something to replace the, the alcohol or replace the partying. Um, mm-hmm. So where do some of those conscious practices, the metaphysical practices, your day-to-day life, um, how has that changed? (laughs) It's changed a lot. Um, And, you know, again, I'll tell you, it was spaghetti at at the wall at first, but I think um, kind of coming to a point of, like, trying to figure out, okay, what in my day do I enjoy, right? Um, and for me, I've always, especially on the work side, I've been very kind of neurotic about the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I call my customers, you know, like before I open email, before any of that stuff, you know, and I realized I have done that over the course of, you know, eight, nine years. Right. And, and it's been super successful for, for me that it's automatic. Mm -hmm. Um, and something about the the ritual nature of it, of like, I get up, I brush my teeth, you know, and I call my customers. <laughs> and then from yeah. there, it's, you know, the day kind of sets itself. Um, I really enjoyed. So then I kind of looked at what other rituals can I create within my life um, so that I don't feel so out of control or, or like there's nothing to do because I feel mm-hmm. like that um, – that comes with being successful and knowing, you know, what you're at base minimum going to make. Right. And it, it, that there's not this feeling of like, there's not necessarily anything to do next. Right. Um, gave me a lot of anxiety. And then you cut and you add to that me being sober and having to look at what my after work activities Mm -hmm. are, then you're also adding more anxiety of like, okay, so then what do I do afterward? So creating the ritual around, I get up in the morning, I pray, I meditate, I, I ask myself in the universe, what do I want the day to look like, you know, um, and, and honing in on either a vibration or, or a mantra or just a thought or idea, right, to kick off my day. And I still, you know, but I give myself that hour and a half before I actually start my work with rituals. Um, And for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's just being up early and and opening yourself, um, the days flow better. Yes. You know, and then, so I find myself, even if I do, and where I am now, because in the beginning, it was kind of like forcing myself to get up 
<laughs> and, yes. and meditate and whatever. And eventually I got to the point where, so that, so now whenever I feel anxious, whenever I don't, I'm not, I'm unsure of something, I have a quick little meditation that kind of recenters me. And at the end of the day, even if I don't come up with some huge, um, you know, epiphany on what's going on, at the very least I've stopped. I've, I've taken some breaths, you know, and I, and I tell myself at the end of it, it's going to be okay. Right. And so for taking where I am now to where I was even a year ago, <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. um, it's my day looks completely different. And um, it's like I said, it started with spaghetti on the wall, but it's very much more ritualistic and um, metaphysical than I would have thought it would be. Yeah, go ahead. Kirsten. Oh, I was just going to add one piece to it. Um, and I just, I have the benefit of knowing Jazz's day-to-day -day ritual, but you also are have trained very diligently on your intuition and being inner guided, which is allowed for higher efficiency and optimization in how you spend your day. So there is a direct correlation to developing intuition and having a higher connection and higher vibration and optimization of performance. So your days you do less and obtain more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not, the the grind isn't there as much, you know, and by the grind, I mean the constant calling, the constant kind of trying to, um, you know, the stuff that comes with prospecting that just wears people out. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. That doesn't. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't help but connect the idea that you wanted to be a better listener in your job to now meditating and listening and quieting your mind and, and that intuition side, you know, that it may not be a flash bulb of, you know, insight every morning, but there is this quietness and I'm going to hear something that I need to hear, you know, through the meditation and prayers and mantras that you're doing. I couldn't help but see again how those two worlds overlap. Yeah, absolutely. And, and have people, uh, whether it's family or whether it's customers, uh, have they noticed, have they responded? They say, you, you know, you, you look uh, <laughs> like you're more relaxed. You look like you're more, uh, what, uh, just happy. It, it really trips me out still. Because um, I, mean, I went through a pretty dark depression there for a second. Um, so it really does trip me out. I mean, the last time I saw Kirsten a couple weeks ago, she was like, oh my God, you look completely different. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, before that, I had seen you, what, in July? So we're going to talk That's right. It was night and day. Yeah, we're talking about just in six months, you know? Um, and I, I guess to answer your question, absolutely. Uh, people at work, my it was funny because I felt like my customers noticed it first, mm -hmm. which also kicked off to me because my customers weren't the ones who were saying you look unhappy, right? That was my friends and family. Mm -hmm. um, so for my customers to say something first, it was like my customers knew something was off. Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, out of respect, they didn't say anything. <laughs> Um, but they were the first ones to say, oh, my God, like, you just, we feel like we got the, you know, that happy, peppy, alive jazz back. You know, what, what were you doing is what I got a lot of, a lot of times is what have you been doing differently? You just feel lighter. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think it, it really was just the journey back to self-love 
and um and the listening you know and meditation um but yeah i get it all the time now <laughs> that's, that's that's so terrific and uh this is a podcast so not everyone has the benefit of the uh the video that we're having now uh being able to talk to each other face to face so we'll post a picture but i love the mandala uh the tapestry uh the fabric that you have on your wall behind Thank you, you. Uh, t tell me a little bit about what that means to you, whether it's symbolic or whether it's just a, a nice fixture of your home. Um, I think it is, it's kind of symbolic of the rest of my home. My, I was really big um, on when I moved out of my last place. You know, I want my home to feel like me. Like when you walk in here, it is jazz you know, which is colorful and purple and pink. <laughs> it's a purple horse. I was, I was waiting for you to say it was purple. It is yes. purple. It is purple. <laughs> I, um, I didn't know if my color was off. No. Purple. Um, so yeah, it is, it is very symbolic. And I think um, everything, I made sure that everything I brought into my new home was something that brought me joy. And so this was one of those things that I actually, I saw it on Amazon. They were using it as a, uh, like a beach towel, you know, to put down on the beach. And oh. I thought, oh, that'd be cool to put outside because I have a little meditation um, area set up on my, on my porch. Um, but then I don't know. I saw it and I was like, I just want it on my wall. <laughs> it's perfect. That's great. That's great. Now, and, one uh, thing I'd okay. like to highlight also, and sorry, Mark, about that. Um, Jazz, you are beginning to step into your spiritual leadership, which you and I have talked about at great length, and it's time. And I know, you know, we, I have several clients that you know as well, um, and you are actually supporting them on their rise and their awakening and their expansion and, you know, encouraged to take their calls because it's your next level. Can you Talk a little bit about what that means and, and why that's actually really important. Um, I, I think it was important mainly because of like what you, what our conversations did for me. It helped kind of validate when I was unsure of myself, what I was feeling and I was hearing. Um, I feel like for over the course of you know my adult life or whatever for various reasons um and trauma and stuff like that i had suppressed my intuition you know like not believing what i was hearing and i was seeing um so to have to create a safe environment for someone and just hear them right and just let them speak and and not provide no judgments you know if anything just you know communicate allowing them to communicate what's going on is so important, especially in the spiritual world, because I feel like it can get real weird and real crazy real fast. <laughs> <laughs> and so just having someone sit there and like not laugh or not call you crazy or not, you know, <laughs> um, to help you kind of work through internally. Cause really for me, I, I do my own healing, right? Kirsten yep. allows the space for me to do my own healing. Well, that's really what it that's really what it is and and that's what i look that's what i hope to accomplish with others right just providing the space and the validation so that they can do their own 
healing and do their own journey. Beautifully said. So good. Well, uh, as our time uh, closes here, what a terrific conversation. And, and it really, uh, Kirsten, I think about, boy, the, this title, we, we didn't know how good it was going to be. But <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's IntelliKey, all about potential. It's leadership, you know, setting, yes, being in a position of leadership, but leadership also being setting examples. And Jazz, you're, you're really talking now about setting an example. And then, of course, the story part, you know, you've been so gracious in sharing a very, you know, personal insight of your journey and what you're working on now. It, as we close, what, what insight or advice, you know, if somebody said, I'm on a similar path, you know, what, what advice or guidance would you give someone who was at where you were maybe a year or two ago and saying, uh, I really feel like there could be a different direction for me? Uh, oh my God. I feel like the, just keep going, you know, um, it gets better. <laughs> it gets way better than you could even imagine. Um, I, 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 all I keep hearing is the kind of the Al-Anon, you know, keep doing the work. It works. It works. <laughs> it absolutely does. <laughs> that's all I got I love that's that so and one last piece I'd like you to tell everybody because I think this is important tell everybody how old you are Jazz I am 35 there you go yeah. and ha, so she has like two more <laughs> lifetimes to go we've, we've, right? we've saved that for last it was great <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah well one of, one of the things I take away uh, that I know I work at every day uh, Jazz is that space in the conversation that silence you know, that uh, you, I used to laugh with a, a colleague who was like, every every minute does not have to be filled uh, because it was always like, are you still there? Hello? Hello? You know? <laughs> but it's it's really hard when you're enthusiastic, too. You want to say, oh, yeah, me, too. And what about this? And what about that? Um, so it, you've really reminded me of uh, something that uh, we can take home from this conversation in addition to all the other great insights. So thanks for, thanks for uh, being with us and sharing. Thank yeah. you for having me. This was not as scary as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be some advice for future guests. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not quite as scary. And, and I think about our future guests. Kirsten, we, we have a great lineup. Oh, you know, I, I, I don't want to give everything away, but we're going to be talking with, uh, with authors who have gone from Hollywood to you know, Zen Buddha uh, meditation. We're going to be talking with someone who started a department in a hospital with the title Compassion. And uh, especially in these times where we're talking about, you know, medical uncertainty and, and clinical questions and uh, global pandemics, having somebody who can talk to us about compassion uh, is going to be terrific. And I can't wait for that interview. And, and a whole lot of other people who, who have these stories about their own potential. So as we keep moving here, I just can't wait. Kirsten, thanks for uh, setting up Jazz to talk with us too. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Jazz. Thank you. And then uh, this has been uh, a great interview that we couldn't have done without Scott over at TriPoint and uh, his studio and his setup. Thanks for running the board for us uh, so masterfully. And uh, anytime you need uh, your talent recorded or shaped in any way, uh, TriPoint and TriPoint Studios is the place to go. It's try, T-R-I-I-I, point.com. 
All right, so until next time, here's to your IntelliKey as you grow as a leader in your own life. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our websites, www.pureintellikey.com and www.mark-stenson.com. IntelliKey Leadership Stories is produced by TriPoint Studios, copyright 2020. Views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the TriPoint Studios or its other members. You can find this and other TriPoint podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories.